Hello and welcome into another episode of Podcast 63, uh, Season 2, Episode 6. Um, we're going to have lots to talk about today. Hopefully we'll get through it pretty quickly. Um, lots, of, lots of things to touch on, nothing super in-depth, but um, we, are, we have some news items, uh, new student ticket policy, there's an injury to the team that we got to talk about. Um, one of our favorite ranking systems, Ken Palm, put out their 2019-2020 uh, ratings, so we're going to talk about that. Going to talk about some Missouri Valley Conference preseason rankings and awards, and then we're going to finish up our conference schedule. Lou, that was a lot of stuff. Are you ready to talk about it all? I'm excited to talk about it. I'm pumped. Um, Let's go. Cool. Well, uh, keep on listening, and don't forget, go Blurs. He jumps. He passes out to Hunter. Hunter shoots off the rim. Rouskin the scores. It's over. It's over. We won. We won the ball game. Viola won the ball game. Oh, we won 60 to 58. All right, thanks for sticking with us here. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about, we have some news items to bring up. Uh, the first thing is our new student ticket policy, which Lou, why don't you just give a little like rundown, like what that's all about, like, um, and how it works coming with this new season. So yeah, just to simplify uh, what the new policy is, is pretty much this is just like a pre-order res- reservation system. Uh, that's the best way kind of just to generalize the terms of it. It's uh, a way for people to – students, sorry, not people. There's only for students, guys. So they're going to get an email notification. you got to sign up too. I don't know if they're going to send it out. Uh, we're not students anymore, so we don't know if they, like, send out a generic blast email. But they will have a mailing sign-up list. Um, and you sign up on the list, and then you get notified each Monday before of that week mm-hmm. of the list of games that are going on that week, and you sign up for the games you can go to. Um, then you get um, a whole bunch of information and codes, and then that is pretty much your 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 ticket confirmation, your reservation that you re- you went in and reserved a seat. You actually got to go in um, and do all this reservation. Um, and then there's a few policies now. There's a few if you can't make the game, you have to give the game ticket back. Because yeah. then they will count you negatively toward you not showing up. Right. Um, as well as then, though, if you can't reserve a ticket, you have to go to, like, student overflow. So there, there's many ways. If you don't sign up, there's an option. If you can't go to the game even though you did sign up. Um, and now that's a lot of information. And I get it. And, again, is I might not have hit every single point that yeah, all Yeah, I actually have some questions for you. Yeah, go um, right ahead. I wanted to, like, give a little backstory about why this is happening. But, I mean, it's kind of obvious when we went in our, on our Final Four run, um, specifically the year after, so last year, the first few games, home games, were, like, filled up. And, it, like, we had our banner-raising ceremony and our first, like, home conference game, and they were pretty full. And I think, but one of the main reasons is there was always a line to get into the stadium. But this is my first question, is do you think the demand for the student seats exceeded the supply? Do you think we ever had more students wanting to get in than there were actual student seats? I would say only probably Final Four year Illinois State game. The and last then the, home game. The last home game of that season. And then it was well than the first home game of mm-hmm. this past season. That's so, the only time. So a big thing to answer that question is, yes, as season ticket holders, you would see, or as even just fans of Loyola basketball going to games, you would see that long student line running through Damon. Mm-hmm. This is where the ticket policy is coming to help. And people might be like, what's it helping? Well, how could it help? It seems more complicated. It's going to actually not help students. Well, there are plenty of students actually that would see the line and be like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to get into the game today. This is ridiculous. I have to wait three hours before a game, even though I have school, or even though I don't have time to waste three hours on the line just doing nothing but waiting to go to the game. So I'm not going to go to the game today. Mm-hmm. There are a majority of times, actually, where that line actually t- deterred fans and students from going to games, which then actually didn't allow the student section to get 100% full. It would get up there. It would get filled. Like You would see the main three sections filled, and that excites the games. But actually, as you went into the upper bowl sections, mm-hmm. a lot of student section did not get 100% filled. Mm-hmm. And that's where this policy comes in where it says, hey, you all have a chance and you actually get to physically know if you have a shot at getting to the game. Mm-hmm. Again, as though I don't know if they'll have a, like a meter showing like, hey, only 100 student tickets left. Mm-hmm. So kids can actually know where if they debate if they can select the game or not. They're like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to go to this game, but I'm not sure if it's going to get sold out. 
But the whole process is to have an actual way for students to feel more confident in being able to get to the game. So you think that this is going to alleviate a lot of students having to wait in line? Yes. Like So there's not going to be as many people waiting in line to get – there's students specifically to get in line before the games. Um, so rather than them waiting, like you mentioned, an hour, two hours – I mean, I think some of the, like, the bigger home games, I even waited in line for over two hours um, – Instead, people are students aren't going to have to wait in line. Um, so then, another question: Do you think that now the athletic department will sell seats in the student section to the general public if it doesn't fill up on game day? I don't think they will do that on a per game basis. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's something. Maybe it depends on the type of game. Um, I know in past times, uh, especially big ones, big uh, calendar year issues like winter break and Christmas break and certain breaks like that, there are still games. So they're like, oh, we need to fill those seats, but we know we won't have a high percentage of students because they're break time. So then that's where they sell it or that's when they give it to groups. So I don't think on a during school uh, semester time you will see that, especially on a per game. Mm -hmm. But um, they will traditionally do what I believe they will do. But I think the whole thing is this is, again, the first time they're doing this. I think moving forward, a great thing would be to include into the app. We do have mm-hmm. the Rambler app. Yeah. Um, I think if students use that more, then they could visually see a ticker or something. Um, not exactly see what seats are open, but just like, hey, this game has got 100 student tickets left, or this game's got 50. And again, that might not be something that the ticket office wants to show, because yeah. they might want to be like, yep, we don't have that many, because when they move things around, but... I think this is actually a good way to kind of start moving to give everyone an opportunity. I think it would be cool, too, if, like, it's a good game and there's 200 seats left. And the students see that there's a a few amount of seats left. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we have to get these tickets. We have to reserve these tickets because there's only, you know, 100, 200 left. And so it'll create some excitement. Um, And then otherwise, you would know how many seats are left specifically. Um, So last last question I have for you about this, uh, particularly the student student ticket policy, is – what is there like a penalty? I think you kind of mentioned it, but what do you think? Or what is the penalty? Because I know there is one. Yeah, so there there is a penalty. Again, is I, I it's not like they're hating. They're not going to really hit you hard. But the thing is, they will keep track of if you don't show up for a game because that's the big thing. It's like you're taking a ticket away from a potential student that could go to a game. Um, so the, that's the big thing is because the students will scan that activated ID that they get. Um, it's still going to be a first come first serve basis. So that's the whole issue is that if a student takes a spot and then is like, whoa, I can't re- attend the game. You have to return the ticket up to 24 hours before the game to avoid the penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, so the penalty and is they didn't really go into detail, but I'm assuming it's a dock maybe on say how early you can get a ticket or maybe, you just can't reserve so many tickets because there might be, and I've heard of rumors of kind of ticket scammers buying 10 season tickets and actually not being season ticket holders. They sell on StubHub or something like that. So I wouldn't want to see a thing where you see students starting to reserve seats and be like, hey, I'll release my ticket because you still have to be that student. You mm-hmm. can't just send it. It's non-transferable. It's not it's only linked to that one ID. So you like the student ID. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's there. there are restrictions to it, but there are also ways that we can help prevent students from just saving tickets and then not showing up. So I found um, the Loyola Phoenix uh, published an article that is the new online ticket policy for the 2019-2020 season. Um, and they talk about the uh, the penalties. So the first penalty for a no-show is a reminder email. So just light, you know, hey, you didn't go to the game. Um, second time, student loses their ticket claim privileges for three games. And then after three times, they lose it for the rest of the season. So, I mean, I think that's pretty fair. You know, life happens. Sometimes you forget or an emergency happens or whatever. Um, so, like, one time missing, not a big deal. But then, you know, after that, yeah, you should you should start to understand that you can't just, like, abuse the system. Yeah. Uh, again, is as long as these reasons become something that the ticket office seem, like, actual penalized for, mm. uh, again, is the, my only thing is, of course, you might run into one, again, small percentage of an issue where... They just flew special circumstance. Exactly. Yeah. Which I know. be understanding. Exactly. So, but I think it's a good move in the right direction. Overall, in the long run, I think it's best that this stuff kind of comes in. Um, Again, is they're free tickets. Uh, That's why it is rare. People need to understand is not all uh, student sections are free. 
Many um, aren't. Many are not. Even in the Valley. There's not everyone in the Valley is free. So uh, we are a special kind of place to have free student um, section seating. So I think that's another thing is this is a big value to the ticket office to actually control the amount of people coming in and understanding that it's such an importance that they fill it because they're giving such a f- amazing opportunity. Yeah. I think overall it's a good idea. I think it's a step in the right direction. It's not perfect, and I think they'll probably start to figure it out, especially the nice part is we have our non-conference schedule that I think they'll probably figure it out then, and then by the time second semester rolls around and the actual conference season happens, I think they'll probably edit it and kind of change it a little bit to make it more um, just better as, as much as they can. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a good idea, a step in the right direction. And, um, I can tell you, I wish that this was in place when I was a student, it would have saved me many an hour waiting in line, um, for a game, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, um, the next thing we are going to talk about here in the new section is an injury. Um, our, um, one of our big men in the middle, big Frank Agunane suffered a thumb injury, uh, I think within the past week. Um, he has a cast, which he famously got signed by Sister Jean. He posted on his Instagram. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Love you, Sister Jean. Um, yeah. And, uh, so he's in a cast. Uh, this is coming from Tim, Tim Edmonds on Twitter. Um, it says that he's in a cast with a hand slash thumb injury, not expected to be ready for the season opener. Um, I know that there was an open practice this past weekend for season ticket holders, which we'll talk about in a little bit too. And I think there they said either Porter did or someone else told that um, they're expecting him to be out about five weeks and he suffered the injury like a week, week and a half ago. Um, So that would put him out missing like at least the first two weeks of games, uh, regular season games, which um, I think a realistic time frame would be that he would be back for our uh, Cayman Islands tournament. So he would maybe miss like four or five games and then be back in time for the um, all-important tournament. Um, but it's a, it's a bit of a bummer. I think, you know, I was really looking for Frank to take that step forward. Um, I think he still can and probably still will. Um, but I think they're probably playing it safe. They know that they're, you know, they're going to need him in the long haul. And it's not worth rushing him back um, to play and potentially get injured again. Um, but... Some guys that might end up getting more minutes, Lou, um, which of the three do you think that I'm going to bring up here? Uh, which of the three between T- Tate Hall, Ahir Uguak, and Tom Welch will end up picking up the most minutes because of Frank's injury? So I th- I think Ahir would have started regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think he'll really benefit in a way i think Mm -hmm. maybe at most you could see this kind of just hindering the fact that they can't have a guy who's had at least a year under the belt to come in and take a spot um but i will say that tom welch Mm. just the natural idea of a six foot eight like a big man in that idea um that will probably take more of the minutes and help with the pretty much pretty much it's just gonna be a, a big big time bench um, situation yeah. because Frank was a great guy for at least in my opinion great defensive rim mm-hmm. protector. We rebounder. all saw that rebounder. He's frantic at some points, yeah. but again, as he was there to get the ball and he was there to go attack the ball, um, both fouls and uh, blocks. So that's the thing is, but you kind of was happy or happy that your bench player came in and he had a role to mm-hmm. play. So that was a huge role. thing. Yeah. So I think that is what Tom Welch will hopefully come in and be like, hey, I'm get helping my guys by giving them breathers. Let me actually do something while I'm in here. Right, yeah. So I, I see that. Again, as though this might lead to just sidetrack, this might lead to Porter playing small ball on the bench. Right, yeah. So I can see that. Uh, but again, as we, some of these guys are big. You got Tate Hall, you got Paxton Ward. So we don't know what the – but I think it would be more of a quick lineup um, with uh, now Frank out. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a pretty good segue to the next uh, thing that I wanted to talk about here, which was our open practice uh, this past weekend on Saturday. Um, just a way for some of the season ticket holders to meet the players, see them practice, get a little scrimmage going. Um, and uh, there's some thoughts I had from that, which um, uh, there was some talk about the two different lineups. And because Frank was out, Tom Welch was the, the center that was opposite uh, Cameron Krotwig, or like was the guy that was defending him. And a lot of reports from the practice said that Tom Welch actually played pretty well. I mean, he didn't stop Krotwig because Krotwig is 
dominant and also a little bit of foreshadowing here is the MVC preseason player of the year. Um, but Cartwick still got his own, but Tom Welch was opposite him and, and um, I think gave it a very different look than something we've been used to, uh, especially the past three years. And even kind of before that, we've never really had a center that can shoot it from the outside. Like I think Tom Welch probably can a little bit. Uh, Cameron Crowe can shoot from three. Oh. If people don't re- remember, you're predicting what two threes the whole season or two threes per game this year. Um, he's going to hit three threes and one's going to uh, clinch it uh, for the national championship game. Oh, sick. Okay, yeah. cool. But um, I think it's a different look, especially Tom Welch in. Um, I think it's going to be different. And I actually think that it could be an interesting lineup to do with uh, Welch and Uguak. Because as we know, Uguak struggles to shoot from the outside, but he's a heck of a rebounder. He's really long and lanky. Um, he's not the most like big and muscly guy, but I think he could provide a different look defensively for some of the big like back-to-the-basket type bigs. Um, but um, other things that came about from the uh, open uh, open practice, um, Tim Edmonds, was he's the, the Phoenix reporter. We'll probably talk about him a lot this year. He's a great reporter. Um, he was just talking about um, the the some of the new guys, uh, Clemens, Pipkins, Marquise Kennedy. Um, all were very impressive. Um, they said, or Tim Edmonds was saying that they all showed at times their ability to drive to the basket, to finish around the hoop. Um, especially, I think he said that Marquise Kennedy down the stretch of the the scrimmage, a couple times at the end would drive and have like acrobatic finishes. He said at sometimes he might have been a little out of control, but he was always he's very athletic and very able to finish around the hoop. He mentioned that Clemens was a very well-rounded basketball player. Kind of looked like he was always in control um, and and well-rounded. Pipkins, athletic, and I think he said he was impressed by his like ball handling ability. Yeah. Is there anything that you read or thought about? Well, like uh, yeah, I think it's great, especially now actually with the Frank injury. I do think this is people need to realize. That with Frank gone, we only will have one player taller than six seven mm-hmm. off the bench, and that will be Tom Welch. So I think this idea of a quick, up tempo, up high paced team offense will be something that actually needs to happen from the bench side because we'll hopefully we start off. And this actually maybe again is we're not we're not coaching the Ramblers right now, but we'd like to. Yeah, but yeah, I think you couldn't see maybe a change in pace of hey, pound the ball down low with Cameron Crowe. But boom, bench comes in. You need to pick it up. Yeah, because play fast. Play, play fast. Strong. Yeah, spread out everybody. Because um, that's just the one concern. But hearing these things is great because you get to see hopefully the high potential that uh, guys have. And again, is this a high kind of junior packed roster? Um, with uh, we got Tate Hall, but then you got the JUCO guys, and you got then Cameron Crowick and Lucas. So this is heavy. Uh, here's a junior. So like we got all these guys that have time to kind of step up and they, they really got to get it going for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, just kind of, uh, wrapping it up at the, the open practice here. Um, Tim Edmonds again was saying how, um, other than Crutwig and Williamson, he can't tell with any certainty, like who the rest of the starting lineup was. He, like I mentioned, he pointed out Clemens, Kennedy and Pipkins all played well. I think he also, it might not have been him. Someone else might've said that, Wojcik, Paxson Wojcik, looked like the type of guy that's always in the right place at the right time. Like, very high energy on defense. I think he hit a couple shots. I think he said he was impressed by his ability to finish around the basket, too. Um, something that I I kind of didn't know we had in Paxson, or Paxson had in his uh, arsenal. But, um, yeah, I, I still think that the, the lineup, starting lineup, is kind of uh, up in the air a little bit. Yeah, we got, I think we both can say we got two guys for sure. Yeah. Um, if healthy, that they're starting, and that's Cameron Crowick and Lucas Williamson. But um, kind of crazy to say is we actually am not a hundred percent guarantee uh, that we know what the what's going on with the next three spots. So, I definitely yeah. think yeah, Uguak and Hall. One of those two is definitely going to be starting. Hundred. Yeah. I don't know which one. I don't. I, I I'd say it's, ideally it's going to be two. But again, as we'll it get could into be that, both. it definitely could. Maybe be both. when we find out about this secret scrimmage, which we'll yeah. go into, but. Um, that we'll find out hopefully soon. Speaking of the secret scrimmage, we can kind of segue from that. The secret there's a secret scrimmage is like tomorrow or I think it might be Tuesday actually, um, with SLU. And um, St. Louis University posted a video on their men's basketball Twitter about them taking a business trip to Chicago and it's like a video of them getting on a plane and like 
Yeah, slew really getting. No, they were just taking a bus. It's was it a bus? It's only four hours away. Come on. Oh yeah, I just thought it was really funny that they're like posting about a secret scrimmage. Like they didn't say that, but But they're playing the big time Loyola Ramblers. Yeah, it's a big deal for them and a big deal for us too. Yeah, but it's good competition. So yeah, Yeah, I'm excited to see any any sort of uh, recaps, box scores, thoughts, comments from it. So um, I think uh, I think that's gonna wrap up the news section. We're there's a couple more things. We want to talk about kind of in a, a section by itself, including uh, the upcoming Ken Palm ranking, rankings as well as um, the Missouri Valley Conference preseason rankings and awards. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, we'll have that uh, back for you in a minute here. And the Ramblers are moving on! So now we got to talk about kind of the one of the biggest rankings for college basketball systems. It's not an official NCAA uh, besides the AP, of course, the AP is one of the biggest ones everyone relies on or the coaches poll. But um, Ken Palm, uh, as you basketball fans know, Ken Palm is one of the kind of one of the best breakdowns of uh, records, but then uh, strength of schedule, um, neutral site, home, away. Um, and they, he came out with his uh, pretty much NCAA basketball, all NCAA basketball teams ranking. Um, from one to, I believe it's like 352 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right around that. those of you remember, we played Mississippi Valley State a few years ago. They were like 350 um, of 352, so still better than a D2 school in my opinion. Very true. But um, with that, with that um, Loyola broke 100, everybody. Woo! We were actually sitting at 99th. So we were the top seed in the Valley. We That's another thing to segue into. We were the number one seed technically. If we're Which we'll like bring up again a little bit later when we talk about... The Missouri Valley, Valley coaches poll or the yes. media coaches poll. But um, Ken Palm's just a big thing to see and uh, pretty accurately reasons uh, to come up with this. But Loyola ranked 99th. I'll just go down quickly. Yeah, go for um, it. I'll we'll, like you, you bring them up and I'll tell you if I think they should be higher or lower. There, you're good, okay. good, yeah. yeah. Um, again, is this will directly go into then the MVC preseason rankings and all the player talk. Mm-hmm. But so then uh, for the top of the Valley, again, is. So this is the order of Valley, but then as well as I'm going to say the number nationwide. So 99 is Loyola. I think that's right about right. I could see us being like 110. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think there's a it has to be a reason for margin of error. Kind of yeah. you have to give plus them plus or like, minus 10. Yeah, plus or minus. That's a good error. Um, so Loyola 99, uh, 113 is you and I. I think they're a little too close to number one. Like I think they should be more like 130. Okay, okay. Um, 139 is Bradley. I think that's right. Okay, I like it. 150 Drake. I think they should be like 170, 180. I, I'm okay. Well, I think we're both pretty low on Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 158 Indiana State. A little lower too. I think a better than Drake, but maybe like one 170. Okay. 166 now, everybody. Missouri State. That's just bogus. Like that uh, is so this is, horrible. Yeah, this is I think where they should be near us at at the very least, like 105. So the only thing I can see him giving Missouri State this is that it is pretty much a whole new roster. Yeah, lots of transfers. Lots of transfers, but again, is there high profile transfers? Mm-hmm. But again, as we could argue, Clay was a high profile transfer when he came, and like he had to take some time. So that's why it's a little odd, but again, is these some of these transfers are seniors, like they're only of one year, but it depends. Yeah, so I would say close to Loyola. Like yeah, definitely close to Loyola. Agree on that. Yeah, one seventy four is Evansville. Um, I could see them being like five spots, like better, like one exactly, yeah. Two twelve, Valparaiso. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay, I think they have a lot to prove. We'll, they have a we're lot gonna to prove. talk about Valpo later too. Yeah. get into it, but I. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, SIU at 220. Are they last? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's and then that last, name. but certainly least, oh. Oh my at God. 226, the lovely, ugly Illinois State Redbirds. Oh, my God. Lovely and ugly. Yeah. Oh, boy. I I mean, I could see, I we, see we, it. Again, is they're like similar to Missouri State in that they have a very different roster than last year, but... Their transfers aren't as high of profile transfers, so I, I bet Ken Palm really doesn't like when a team has a whole new roster. I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking because you look at it, Valparaiso has a whole new roster, but they're still yeah. it's same coach. SIU whole new roster and new coach. Yeah. Um, Evansville whole new roster because yeah, you got all transfers. these transfers now playing. Ken Palm must not like transfers. So you look at it. Look at it. Loyola, 
pretty much all the same core like, guys. Yeah, and then freshmen. But then freshmen, that's not... And JUCOs. Maybe the they Jucos. like joke JUCOs. Maybe they like... But the other thing is you and I pretty much know and knew. You still got no, leadership there. very Bradley still have leadership there. Very similar Drake, players. interesting uh, where in we don't know who's on the roster really right now. Yeah. Indiana State, kind of similar name. So I think everyone below is just because they have new new faces. Did Kempom have Indiana State better than Missouri State? Yes. That's crazy. So just to go through it again, so... You, which will segue in. This is an in- yeah. interesting way, but um, the overall preseason number one in the Valley is Missouri State, and they are for the so for the actual Missouri Valley Conference yes. standings. For the Missouri Valley Conference standings, they are number one overall preseason, and according to Ken Palm, they are ranked the seventh MVC team. Dang. So I think there's just a few discrepancies. Again, as conference preseason rankings are kind of close to conference teams because they know the teams a little bit more, and they For sure. also hold a little bit different. But they see them twice a year, if not more. Exactly. So yeah. this is again is this is overall record. This is overall rankings toward all of NCA. So uh, maybe we'll see things some change up, and we'll see some shakeups. But I think this is a perfect segue into kind of the biggest chunk. Of what this past week has informed us with? Yeah, so um, like you did for me with the Ken Palm, I'm going to read you the preseason poll. Okay. And you tell me how you think this team, like if they're properly rated in the Valley. Mm-hmm. So, number one, Missouri State. They have 29 of the 40 first place votes. Yep. Yeah. Number two, Bradley. They received five of the 40 first place votes. Yeah, I think Bradley there, if people are questioning, Bradley won the championship. Bradley played a decent NCAA tournament game. And they were turning two guys who were easily contenders for second and first team all MVC, mm-hmm. strong players. So I think that is why. And then also they kind of they kind of smacked us around in the and the MVC tournament. So they have a decent team that could really kind of say they could make a run for it. Like they're almost like a. Quite honestly, I'd say Bradley is close to the, what Drake was last year. Okay, cool. Um, third is you and I. Three first place votes. This is interesting. I think the reason why you and I is up high and even can, has three votes, it, they're almost a traditional Missouri Valley team. Mm-hmm. They're a team that has kind of a bunch of guys that are Missouri Valley guys, but then now they have a star in AJ Green. Mm-hmm. Again, as people don't remember, but AJ, if you don't, but AJ Green was a top 100 recruit, mm-hmm. and he came to you and I because his daddy's the assistant coach. So nothing against that, but I think no, you and I, when voting for the sake, is they see it as, hey, kind of a good group of solid guys, good chemistry, and then oh, they got a they got a star. So yeah. I think that's what they really see as a potential. So Loyola number four, the second most amount of first place votes with six. Yeah, um, again, as those six first place votes compared to the uh, number one first place votes right. is yeah. a little bit a uh, big gap there. Um, but again, is I think I definitely think Loyola deserves to be ahead of you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could. I'm fine with the fact that we're behind Bradley and be behind Missouri State. But I'd say we should definitely could take over you and I. But that's what, again, is this is all preseason. If we lived and died by preseason, we we wouldn't have made it to the NCAA tournament a few years ago. Just to point out the difference between you and I and Loyola's like uh, preseason number ranking, whatever they have like a total amount of votes, which mm-hmm. they score like up the somehow. AP votes when they get it. Yeah, some scoring. The smallest gap between any of the two teams are between you and I and Loyola. Just to kind of point that out. Um, and then the next team, which I believe, unless I'm doing math wrong, has the biggest gap. Between any two teams, the fifth team is the Drake Bulldogs. Yeah, I think that's definitely um, a spot for Drake. Um, we don't know what their roster is, and again, is they're coming off a season where they had great highs, but they're about to go into kind of a, a low, like a kind of turnaround, 180, because mm-hmm. their roster is really getting a whole yeah. facelift. Uh, sixth, Indiana State. Yeah, it's a, it's a roster that's there. It has guys from last year, but really nothing special or strong that could maybe see the top of the pack. Seventh is Illinois State, and they also received a first-place vote. Yeah, I think first-place vote has to be someone, a reporter, someone who's voting from down south who just can't stop these Redbirds from getting attention because there's – I just don't – there's no one on the team right now. Yeah. And that's the toughest thing is I think maybe next year they could make more of a splash because they'll have guys who have been there for a while, but they have transfers who no one knows how they're going to uh, react. they got guys coming off injury like Taylor – Benunga, or however you pronounce the name, yeah. will get it correctly. Match has former Loyola Rambler, injury prone, but now taking over. It's just a new face, interesting way they're going to interact. Um, but yeah, that's just. Uh, next is eighth is Evansville. Yeah, um, 
whole new pretty much setup, new team. Um, I know they had uh, McCarty last year as a coach, but this is his second year. He didn't have as luck as some of the other first-year coaches, which this year he might. But again, he's got a new team too with transfers and guys. So I think he's still trying to learn what team he has. Ninth is uh, Valparaiso. Um, I think you and I have talked about this, especially since we're doing research. Um, yeah. And I've kind of had this gut feeling, but again, it's around the Valley. We've seen this, and again, it's because they kind of had hardships. I think that's a little bit of a sleeper. I think they will see them really fighting for a Friday game slot for the Missouri Valley because of their transfers. Again, is that's the reason, is because they have so many transfers. But they're almost closely to you and I is where they got a kind of a ragtag team. We don't know if they have chemistry, mm-hmm. but they do have an all-star mm-hmm. and Javon Freeman. So if that ragtag group of guys can become a chemistry group, then with that all-star, you can see them probably propel um, into the next level. And bringing up the rear here, we have Southern Illinois. New coach, new team. That's just what you get. I disagree, but I totally understand because it's just the simple math shows you first-year coach and new team. But again, as I'd love to say, Drake was a first-year coach, new team. They were ranked, I believe, eighth or ninth. In the Missouri Valley preseason, and ended up tying for first. Yeah. Uh, Dana Ford last year, first time coach. Walden McCarty. So some years, first year coaches actually mean nothing. They can get it done. Definitely. So yeah. Yeah. Um. So then, in addition to like the standings, they also put out their top three teams, the Missouri Valley Conference preseason teams. Um. So first team, I there's not really much to talk about besides the fact that Cameron Crutwig is the preseason player of the year, which is awesome. We're pumped. Um, and I think he's gonna do it. So I don't even I don't even know if there's much to say, but what's I think your reaction? it's up to him alone. I think if he keeps to his again, it would have to take one of the guys from Missouri State or even AJ Green to have an a double another level year. Mm-hmm. It needs them to be dropping twenty five points a game, eight assists, six rebounds game, and leading the team to more more of like a war standing, a win above replacement. They needs to actually produce yeah. wins. If Cameron Crutwick, though, needs to play at the level that we know he can, uh, this year it's his team. There's no question about it. Uh, it's his team. He's spent two years under great leadership of young guys. No coaches needed to say that he's got to play with good guys. Freshman plays in the Final Four, so now it's up to him. If he doesn't play at the high level that we expect him to, I don't know what. You, you really kind of expect it at this point because of these two years he's had. Um, but, again, he's... I do. I can see another player kind of having even a stellar year, mm-hmm. but also there could be a chance where if Cameron Crutwick just keeps to what he does, he can reign that trophy for the third straight year. Rambler wins definitely. Uh, the other four guys that join him on the first team are uh, Darrell Brown Jr. from Bradley. Yep. Uh, guard uh, was on one of the top teams last year. I don't remember which one, but uh, Tulio De Silva from Missouri State. He yep. was also a, I believe he was on the he first team. He was a first team. team last year, yep. A.J. Green, Northern Iowa. I think he was second team. His he second was team, and he was freshman. Well, he was MVC freshman of the year. Freshman of the year. Um, and then the last player, Tyree Key, guard from Indiana State. I think he was second team. Last he was year. second team. A little bit of a stretch for us. Yeah. I think Come we can both agree on that. But again, as he might go off on a team that needs him point-wise and needs him production level-wise. Um, so that's where this comes in. So um, nothing really to cry over. We can see things happening to get these guys on the first team. Um, I think moving down this list, we'll get into uh, what we disagree with. Definitely. Yeah, okay. So second team, we're going to go through them all, and then we'll we'll talk about Yeah, we're going to just agree with the ones we and then hate on the ones we don't. Yeah. yeah. So Jordan Barnes, Indiana State. Uh, Elijah Childs, Bradley. Keandre Cook, Missouri State. Ryan Fazekas, Vanderbilt, and Javon Freeman, Liberty of... Uh, did I say Vanderbilt? Yeah. I definitely said Vanderbilt. I apologize, Ryan. Ryan Fazekas from Valparaiso, and Javon Freeman, Liberty from Valparaiso. Yeah. So, quickly off the bat, Javon Freeman, Liberty. Can definitely see him on second team. Very deserving. Um, he high, high IQ defensive player, but I also think this year you can see his offense changing. Yeah. I think that maybe if he worked on stuff... I don't remember him being a lethal shooter. Um, yeah, I, rem- I think he's more I remember like mid-range. Mid-range, but driving. I know he's a quick guy, so um, but I think defensively he's already built that, and that's a huge key to some point guards' games is defense. Um, so I think he's off. Or I think that's a check for us. We can see that happening. Yep. Um, Eliza Childs. Very deserving. Very deserving. I thought I, he should have been on the first team. I agree. But... I do think he's on more of a first-team level than Brown. But, again, is it just these are predictions. But I think both are deserving of first-team or second-team. I don't see them both on first. 
Elijah Childs, though, he's a big guy, young guy, though, and he played great against Michigan State, so that's a check there. Mm-hmm. Um, is this where you you? Well, I guess no, Kendron Cook. Um, I, I I can see him on second team because of what he did last year. Yeah, and because Missouri but, State's probably going to be pretty good. Exactly, but the only thing is maybe we could hesitate on him is we don't know if he'll get the same production level he had last year with yeah. all the new faces with uh, West from West Virginia. Uh, West, yep. And then also Prim, the JUCO, high-level JUCO. So those are two guys whose positions are kind of close to Cook's. Yeah. So you can see maybe see production going down. So maybe you can see Cook not be on the second team. I also just like I remember seeing um, some tweets from one of the reporters at Missouri State um, that said that he might not even be starting this year, which was like kind of surprising to me. <sighs> I just I, I think it's possible that he has a bad year, but other players be like have a good year. Um, where he's maybe more of a facilitator, so he doesn't get the attention that a lot of the other guys. Again, as though you could see maybe a team like Missouri State, everyone's sharing. Right. So, so it'd be different. But yeah, Kendrick Cooks, that's where it starts kind of the line of mm, maybe, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, like I could see it. I'm not mad about it, but I also like didn't put him there on purpose. Yeah. I made a decision to not put him on there. Um, okay, so now the next one I would say. The next two. So we have yeah. two now. Jordan Barnes, Indiana State. I don't hate it. I just don't like it. I, I, yeah, I think a third team would have been understandable. Yeah. Um, a second team I just think is a reach because of that team in the NST. Um, you kind of expect the second team to be more of the teams who are ahead of the pack. Um, you expect the Missouri State. You expect maybe a Bradley guy and now Elijah Child. Uh, mm. UNI really doesn't have anyone uh, maybe that could come up in that sense. Um, Javon Freeman's there because of his defensive awards. I think of the first team as like obviously your best five players. Like there's no there's usually a big divide or there's either five or six guys that are deserving the first team. Second team is like your very good players on bad teams. So like Javon Freeman, um, I don't even know, like Tyree Key I could see on this list. Um, or like your good players on very good teams. So like like in years past, I think uh, was uh, Dante Ingram on a second team one year, I think his senior year. Um, like that sort of player who's not your star but is a very is a good player on a very good team and I just don't think see Jordan Barnes fitting either of those molds like I think Jordan Barnes is very much he's a good player on a a, a bad team I think and I just don't think that he's good enough to 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 warrant him being on the second team um, just for like some guy that I thought probably should be on here I could see um, uh, Keith Fisher from Illinois State, if he's as good as they say he'll be as a transfer. Um, I could also see uh, there is one other guy. I'm going to go to my list because uh, K.J. Riley from Evansville. Um, I think you and I are pretty high on Evansville. I think K.J. Riley is going to be their best player. Um, I think there's someone from Evansville on the third team that I, I isn't K.J. Riley. We'll talk about in a minute. Well, I, some, Sam Riley. Uh, Cunliffe, uh, the yeah, transfer, transfer from Kansas. There are just guys we can see, again, as... We, when you get down prediction level, the first team, solid. And again, there's a few second team guys that would a high offense, a high level seer, they could even slide. Like Elijah Childs can slide up. But really, this is kind of a stretch we felt, and this isn't something that I think is kind of predictable to do. And the last one is Ryan Fizikas, which is crazy. Like, I, I this like actually so, made me upset. Yeah, because again, is. The didn't wasn't he hurt a lot of the year last year? I know he's good, but he was hurt a lot of the year. He's a decent player on a bad team, probably. Like I just like, there's not like a pedigree. Like he's a senior. That's what it is. Well, is he's a senior, so they vote him on because he's a senior and he's kind of good. So yeah, so there's that. Um, you also you can say this. Ryan Fazekas is a guy who yeah last year he was kind of injury prone um he appeared in only 20 games but it was his first season in valpo um but again from what i remember he did have a decent kind of game but the thing is he's a guy from he's a senior and he transferred from big school in providence so i think they're thinking with the way the team's structured especially with smith's out i think that's yeah, the he'll huge get thing more touches. he'll get more touches do i think it's a second team touch no no i don't think he's on the same level as Javon freeman I think maybe he could have sneaked onto the third team over some guys I don't see on that third team. But again, is for me it gets interesting when you see two guys from one team on in especially now on second team. Yeah, 
How are that correlates with the team ranking being so right. low is what I don't understand. Yeah. So that's where for me it's like, mm-mm. So like the same people who voted Valpo to finish ninth also voted for these two players from Valpo to be on the second team. Exactly. So, so that's the crazy. that's the issue I have where it's more of how could you can see how could you see these this team not doing well, but you see only these two guys maybe beating everyone else in the valley. So Yeah, I mean yeah, it is what it is. I there's more to talk about, so let's keep moving. Third team. Um, here are the guys that I think are very deserving. Uh, Lamont West, who's a very high-rated transfer um, from uh, West Virginia, I believe, going to Missouri State now. I think he's great. DJ Wilkins from Drake. I believe he was on the third team last year. If not, he was uh, definitely on the all-freshman team. So I think he's very deserving. Gage Prim, another high-level JUCO transfer um, going to Missouri State. I think he's very worthy. Um, next, Lucas Williamson. I'm really glad to see him on the list. I wouldn't have been surprised if he wasn't on a list. Injuries. I think that's just where it comes. Yeah. Last year with the injuries, you just can't expect a guy maybe to bounce his back as that strong. But again, is I think it's similar to Javon Freeman. They're considered that high level because of their defensive skills more than anything. For sure. Um. So yeah. Um. Uh, West. West and Prim. You, you, those two. You got to talk about just transfers and how. But because they're so high level. Ranking, a uh, prim coming out of JUCO, high level, top five JUCO, mm-hmm. and then West coming from West Virginia. These are guys who you could say make a big impact in a conference that they mold maybe better for. Yeah, um, and then after that, I mean DeAndre Williams transfer from oh I don't oh he he's the one we were doing a little bit of research on. He's yeah. kind of had a weird path. DeAndre Williams technically was in the recruiting class of twenty sixteen, but right now this is where it gets thrown off. He's a sophomore. Um, where he really didn't. He went to JUCO, but then he actually lost a year of eligibility. Then last year, last year he was on the roster. Walter McCarty got him and signed his letter of intent, but then the NCAA uh, denied his eligibility to play last year, mm-hmm. so he had to sit out the year. So now this is his technically his second every year playing in the NCAA mm-hmm. uh, eligibility course. So um, he's a high-level recruit. Uh, this is probably we don't know. We didn't do this when Milton Doyle. But this would be maybe similar to something where Milton Doyle was considered a high-level recruit and he might have been thrown on the third team. Right. Again, is we kind of disagree with this one because it's like a face that we have no connection to show past There's West. There's not even much of his like play. Exactly. Like West he, is from West Virginia. You have prim high-ranking recruit from Juco. And now DeAndre Williams, you're like, this was like th- three years ago he was a random. recruit. So yeah. it's kind of a random thing. Uh, the next one, I would have preferred any like KJ Riley from Evansville. Exactly, They're even like Ryan Fazekas, like I could see him on mm-hmm. the third team. I wouldn't have loved it, but mm-hmm. I, I just, I kind of weird. The one that <laughs> I think is ridiculous, yeah, is Zach Copeland Say from it. Illinois State. Yeah, Zach Copeland of Illinois State. I just oh don't. My gosh, there's, I think there's like at least two other guys on the team that are more. Yeah, I think he finished up the year pretty well, but like he struggled at the beginning. I think Keith Fisher, either of the San Jose transfers, I could see making the third team more so than Zach Copeland. Um, there's plenty of other guys who we haven't even talked about that I think um, could be on this list. Like if you want to take a, a high-level JUCO transfer, then like Keith Clemens was like a pretty high JUCO. He won the JUCO. So if like you're thinking that, then he could be on there. There's other guys, Keith Fisher from Illinois State. You know, there's plenty of guys I think. Yeah, there's really my thing is what this. happened to any of the six men of the years last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a huge. Yeah, um, and, uh, Nate on Bradley, right? Canal, Nate Canal. Yeah, yeah that's really weird. Like, that it, that that to me is what gets me. It's like yeah. these guys actually showed that they're six man of the year, effective and again, in the valley. Exactly, effective in the valley, and they've played in the valley. Yeah. Um, but it's it. There's a whole bunch of names I could throw out there uh, that I think better fit um, than Zach Copeland. But again, is the third team. You just kind of hate to see it because it maybe is a. Really, just negatively reflects on what a team could be, mm-hmm. but again, is it maybe oversaturates what a team is right now? Again, is you, someone could argue that well, Missouri State, what's going on? And it's like, well, yeah, they're they're supposed to be good, right? And then if they don't live up to the hype, then it's like, well, we are basing off past that we don't really know. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that kind of wraps it up. We yeah, we know what we expect. Again, it's just to recap. MVC Player of the Year prediction was Cameron Crowley, our big boy, our big boy. The rankings are there. Uh, Missouri State, uh, number one. Us, Loyola, sitting at number four, four uh, behind Bradley and you and I, I um, with uh, Drake behind us. 
um, Indiana State behind us, so those those are the situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lucas then they Williams came up. Williams in third team. Lucas Williams in third team again is because he's Valley Player of the Year preseason. Of course, he'd be on the first team. Yep. Um, they don't really rank uh, newcoming teams or anything. Yeah. Uh, or or fr- rookie or freshman of the year, so we can't really state that. Um, so it's just gonna be interesting. I think you might not see a Loyola player just quickly win newcomer of the year just because there's so many newcomers. So many transfers. I think this might be one of the biggest years. You at least got two high-level transfers, mm-hmm. and not high-level meaning nationwide, but high-level for that team on every team nearly. Yeah. So I think that's where it comes into uh, them playing with the new team. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just how the rankings unfolded this past week. Um, it's just interesting that they didn't really go the same angle with Ken Palm of how he would rate the NBC teams. Um, but then when it came down to first, second team, and third team, I think we saw really the divide start toward the tail end of second team. Yeah. And then third team, we agreed with some guys, definitely. Uh, do I think there are opportunities for like Barrett Benson to be on the third team? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a guy from, like if you're thinking about transfers from big programs, guy from Northwestern, played the NCAA tournament as well. Zach Copeland, nothing really. But yeah. again, is that just how the people vote? and. We're not voting, so we don't. We can't really do anything. If we were, it would only be Loyola players and Sister Jean. You, you yeah, can't, yeah, you can't. we have to give Sister Jean a, a third team nominee. Exactly. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for uh, this section, and then our last section is gonna be uh, the last three teams for our conference schedule. So stay tuned. And the Wranglers are moving on. All right, so we're gonna hit all you listeners with a speed round of the last three conference teams because we have talked a lot this episode so um let's not spare any time first team that we are going to talk about is the southern illinois university uh salukis yep lou take it away new court new kind of like logo making it all about saluki um but siu new coach and we know the coach very well very very well brian mullins uh pretty much uh took over our point guards and kind of led them into leaders. Uh, point guards such as uh, Dante Ingram when he would hold the ball is a big one. But Clayton Custer, uh, Ben Richardson, uh, Marcus Towns. So he was kind of the fundamental person of pushing them into the Final Four games, into the NCAA tournament, and keep them a high level. Um, then with SIU, they're a whole new team. Uh, with a new coach comes new things. Uh, kind of a different team than what they were last year. A team that really disappointed in the situation because they had Barry Hinson. Uh, but they got guys like uh, Barrett Benson, uh, center 6'10", uh, from Northwestern, as people Loyola Ramblers will kind of know that name. Um, a few guys from like Aaron Cook, who make a big splash in the Valley like last year. Uh, but then it's interesting because they have guys like Ronnie Suggs from Missouri, who is a graduate senior as well as Barrett Benson. So these are guys where Mullins really wor- looked for guys who had experience, knew what was going on, but it could kind of lead but then young guys with guys from like Nebraska, from Carrington Davis, and he just I believe got waived. Yeah, his waivers waivers so he approved. Can play right away. So um, a player from uh, Nebraska, high level. So you kind of got guys who are in the mix. But again, is a few guys like Eric McGill, guys from last year. You're not sure what their kind of setup is, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's gonna be interesting. But overall, I don't really see high production from them. I think if we're doing the tiers again. We're going low tier, like we yeah. just said with the MDC Valley preseason. It's a new team, new coach, new court. It's all new, and with all that, I don't see them really making a big splash. Um, again, as they could surprise us. Last year we had Drake, so we could see teams surprise us. Um, but I just think because of the Valley being so kind of doggy dog right now with this season, I don't see them really moving out of their range of the low uh, Thursday yeah. first game, first round NBC. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be really shocked if they're not playing the first, like the Thursday game, which means yeah. that they're 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th. Yeah, and if they're 7th, that's a big step, but again, is they'd still be playing the Thursday night game, so yeah. yeah. Um, anything on your side about Southern? Um, I just don't think they're very deep. I think that's their issue. I think they have a, their guards are fine, like they have two solid guards. They have like the Bear Benson, good transfer, a couple other guys. Not very deep, and I don't think they have one guy that's going to be a leader for them. I think that's their problem. You know, we have Cameron Cutwig, Missouri State, you know, De Silva, you and I, who we'll talk about in a minute here, has A.J. Green. Some of these other teams have the guy that, you know, they're going to get the ball, and SAU just, I don't think, has that guy, and I think that's why they're going to struggle. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's just 
it's interesting because a leader needs some time to like grow with the team to become sure. a leader, and that's why it's so tough because they don't have time with guys like Barrett Benson, Ronnie Suggs, um, Aaron Cook, and these guys. Some of the guys have been around, but some of the guys are brand new, so it's just interesting. Um, so we'll see how things go. Um, One freshman they have, Marcus Domask. We actually were on his top four. He top four. We top were, five. yeah. He was the 2019 Wisconsin Mr. Basketball. So I do think that might be one guy he should. I think he'll probably play significant minutes. He's like a tall guard. He's like six six or six seven, I think. Um, and he, he's able to handle the ball. I mean, I don't think he's gonna be great, but I think he could develop. I think he's one guy that um, he could develop over the three four years, and you know, maybe two three years from now we're talking about him. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's a guy, and if again he goes off his first year, congrats. But I do agree that I think he's. Um, Going to be end up being a guy that maybe takes one or two years, but I will be a strong player in the Valley. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the next team, uh, the segue talking about uh, teams that have players that are stars. Um, probably one of the top players in the Valley, A.J. Green of uh, the University of Northern Iowa, um, is going to lead his Northern Iowa team to the top half of the Valley. At least that is my prediction. Um, and uh, to go along with them, they have a solid cast of characters, including – Taiwan Pickford, Isaiah Brown, Trey Burhow, uh, Luke McDonald, Spencer Haldeman, and Justin Dahl. Just highlighting a few, Taiwan Pickford is a junior this year. I believe he was all freshman his freshman year, and he had a kind of a step back last year. Yeah, he had a quiet year. And I think maybe you get to say A.J. Green or just for himself transition, but yeah, it was kind of a slump for him. Yeah. Um, to go off with him, the next one, Spencer Haldeman, who was the uh, co-sixth man of the year. Right with uh, Nate Kennel, should have another good year. Uh, looking, I think he'll probably impress. And then um, the I believe is a big guy, Justin Dahl. Um, he uh, is returning for the Northern Iowa for Northern Iowa. Um, he's going to be a senior, seven footer. Um, I don't know how much he's going to be playing. If he's going to be starting, it kind of depends how they want to go about that. If they want to start. Um, four guards and a forward or throw in their center Justin Dahl but um, I kind of remember he sometimes would give uh, Crutwig some problems on defense so. yeah he definitely gave Crutwig problems on defense especially early in the game that's the thing um, I always remember um, I think Evansville or Drake even I forget who had that uh, had a big tall bald guy uh, that always played and um, again as they were just big and he would kind of get in the way of Cameron Crutwig um, and then early on, I remember there were two. There was a tech called. It was actually mm. called on Cam. Um, so just big guys are kind of tough to get uh, around. But hopefully, uh, just as the games progress, uh, time progresses in the game, we'll get to figure it out. They're kind of thin at guard. They start three, uh, three guys that are six four, six four, six five. Um, but coming off the bench, they like one guy that has ever played in college basketball before. The rest of them are freshmen. So. Um, that might be somewhere they struggle, but with AJ Green, like if he's if he's playing the type of minutes like Marcus Towns played last year, you know that like 35, 36, 37, it's not going to matter because they're not going to need a second guard because he's going to be that guy. But um, yeah, I think I think you and I should have a. I think they're going to have a good team. Um, I think they're right up there with like us and Bradley and um, just you know a tick below Missouri State, but. Um, it should be – I'm looking forward to these games. I think these are going to be some of those, like, really ugly, classic Missouri Valley Conference games where the final score is, like, 52 to 49 or, what you know, something really ugly where it comes down to the last two, three possessions. Um, kind of like last year uh, where uh, our boy Cameron Crutwig hit that three-pointer at Gentile Arena on that frigid day to win the uh, game. So, um, last team here. Moving on from Northern Iowa, we have Valparaiso, they the Crusaders. Yes, they are. The Valparaiso Crusaders, who we both um, put... Okay, I you're giving me that. We both put them last, but I think we both want to kind of correct that. I think Lou wants to correct it a little more than I do. I looked at their roster, Javon Freeman. Stuck. We were doing research for this topic, and yeah. this is where it came and we had, we They were like the one team who we kind of just like pushed off. And we just didn't really talk about them that much. And I think that was that was kind of a disservice on our part. So Javon Freeman, great, great, great player. Um, and we know his level. That's the thing is yeah. we know his level. He's going to be consistent. Um, not a great shooter, but finisher, uh, athletic, defense. defense, passer, 
Um, so he does kind of everything else all. Daniel Sackey, uh, I think he came off the bench last year, but like spark plug type. Um, Ryan Fizikas, who we talked about a lot, so we don't need to get back into him, but he's going to start for them. Um, after that, Malik Mc- McMillan, I believe, was there last year. Yep. Um, he's their big guy, or he's their tallest starter at 6'8", um, junior. And then gonna talk. And then uh, John Kaiser, also returning, um, uh, senior 6'5". I feel like he had some good games, but looking at his averages from last year, not that impressive. Um, but then they have two transfers, um, or at least two transfers, that we want to talk about. Uh, 6'5 guard from St. Joe's, Nick Robinson, who is going to be a junior this year. Uh, he averaged eight points, five rebounds, two and a half assists. And then also, uh, brother of a NBA player, Aaron Gordon, uh, he transferred from Seton Hall, and he's also going to be a junior this year. Um, didn't have great numbers with Seton Hall, but he has that pedigree of, like, I mean, his brother is an NBA star, Eric Gordon. So... I, I don't think they're going to be last. I think I want to change that up. I think that I think that they're going to finish either, I think, eighth. I think I'm going to put them ahead of SIU for sure, and I think also um, ahead of Indiana State. But, Lou, what, what are your thoughts? What are, you, what are you thinking now with Valpo after we kind of gave him a, a second look? I, yeah, so I think people need to know. We looked at them more. I do see the issue, and the issue is Aaron Gordon, Nick Robinson, Zion Morgan – those are three guys who are going to be heavy producers, but this is still a kind of what of a new team. They yeah. lost about three guys that were on the team from last year. Two guys, Derek Smith and Jamal Sola, mm. uh, guys guy. who were seven feet tall. Yeah. Those are their big guys. They don't have big guys anymore. No. They don't. That's their So lacking. I think that's their lacking. So I can see that with a valley that if you don't have a big guy – you're talking you, like De Silva, Elijah Childs, Cameron Crotwig, just to name three. Just to name three. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the thing is like Northern Iowa's even, pretty big too. Let's say Northern Iowa's always got that Barrett one big Benson. guy, who, Barrett Benson, and SIU. So I can see their struggle. But then the thing is, the upside is if Zion Morgan, Nick Robinson, Aaron Gordon can fit into a Javon Freeman kind of play where Javon Freeman's just the facilitator on offense and leader on defense, they, they can take over. These guys have played at high levels. The, again, is they're not small ball. Zion Morgan and Nick Robinson, 6'5", 6'5". Yeah, they're tall So guards. they're tall. But the thing is, Ryan Fazique is pretty much going to be the tallest thing they got on the court at 6'8". Yeah. So that's where it comes in. They do have a freshman. Um, and again, that's where they got in their, their um, interesting uh, abroad recruiting with a 6'10", I believe, from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see them as still that low tier. They, yeah. There's no way they're moving out of that low tier for me. But I do disagree with them being dead last. Yeah. Um, I, <coughs> a voice is just getting so rough. We're just so excited. And we've been talking <coughs> so long about all things Missouri Valley Conference basketball. So, but I think the big thing is they, they have a chance to be better than what we think, but I see them only at seven. I, I see them having a higher producing year than in Illinois state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think SIU again is, it's just going to be, I think them and SIU are going to be so, one team is going to click with new guys mm-hmm. and one team isn't. And I think those are the two teams. And then, but you're going to get filtered in. Maybe Indiana State doesn't have a hot year. Drake doesn't have anyone really playing for them. What's going on? Um, so that's where they, I think Evansville is definitely going to move out of that low tier. I yeah, think this is their, I was thinking about that. I was kind of thinking, so we've been talking so much about the tiers. And I think I, this is what I have. My tiers. That, this is going to be it now. We're yeah, just, yeah, this is our final thoughts. The top tier Missouri State, Loyola, you and I, Bradley. Yep. Middle tier, only Evansville and Drake. Yes. And then the bottom tier is Illinois State, Indiana State, Valpo, and SIU. I think that's 10. Yep, that is. Four, two, and four. Yeah. And within those tiers, I think anything could happen. Yeah, I think uh, definitely Evansville is now in the middle of the pack, which is only those two teams. Uh Drake, though, I can see falling, but the thing is, does someone take their spot? Um, and the only reason why Drake's considered falling is because um, they don't know what the team is. Their situation with a player off-court issues. Coach is now only his second year, and he had such a great year last year. But they lost everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with me, though. I'm going the same exact tiers. Missouri State, Loyola, Bradley, you and I. Tier 1, Tier 2. Evansville, Drake. Um, then Tier 4, Indiana State, uh, Valparaiso, SIU, Illinois State. Yeah. Um, and I think that's our Valley t- recap of what we've done the past few uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. We've just explained each team, showed you what our, we want to talk about, but really just get us ready. 
Because we're on our countdown, people. Yeah. What our scrimmage is... Uh, well, I'll say it. So we're recording on Sunday. The... What is this? The 20th. And the scrimmage is on the 22nd. So, uh... Yeah, we're not going to do a preview for that. No. So... That's going to happen, you know, here in a couple days. Though, if any of you listeners know any uh, things, if you're going to be at the scrimmage, hit us up. Hit us up with some facts. Um, and then after that, we have the official exhibition game, which is on the 29th. So that's ticketed and anyone can go uh, against Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Oh. Indianapolis. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and then the regular season is going to be starting the 4th? The yep. 4th. November 4th. Yeah, uh, wait, hold on. I might have that wrong. The 5th. It's the 5th. It's the next Tuesday. So, we will have Rambler basketball for three straight Tuesdays. Ooh, there we go. Um, in addition to that, uh, as I said last uh, week, last podcast, we're going to have our Hot Ones episode coming up here in two more episodes. Um, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, we're going to tweet a few things about sending us questions with the Hot Ones. But again, we don't want to be biting off too much of your ear, guys. Quite literally biting off. But uh, we are excited to finish off the Valley and get talking about that. And I think this is just now with Media Day happening in the Valley and That's now the, the preseason. Media Day, Loyola Media Day is, I think it's next week. Yeah, it's like two so weeks. these are just things we love seeing getting set in the in motion because that means uh, Loyola Ramblers basketball is about to start. Right around the corner. All right, I think that's going to do it here for uh, Buck and Lou for another episode of Podcast 63. Thank you all for tuning in, and don't forget, Goblers.